people care about their car buying journey, provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Whether your customers are online or in-store, Goobagoo is there. See the magic at Goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O.com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, January 6, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today, we're on the floor of the Las Vegas Convention Center as we wrap up our coverage of CES with a look back on some of the biggest news from Las Vegas this week. And after some of the auto shows we saw this fall, no, no names mentioned, this certainly feels like it is the premier auto show, even as it's 20% of the overall CES. Yeah, yeah. But before we hear from our team of reporters here at CES, Kel, you and I were both in the room for the big Ram EV reveal yesterday. What were your impressions? I would say, Jamie, off the bat, it was an aesthetically pleasing truck. Very, very good looking. Now, it's a concept. So when it comes to the functionality and all the bells and whistles, it's a, it was a little overwhelming for a simple guy like myself. But uh, the coolest part, I think, was the, the way you can do the inductive charging. So this thing rolls out that looks like a Roomba vacuum cleaner. Literally, that's what it looks like goes underneath the truck it raises this arm up and then like touches the frame or the battery i guess that's underneath the truck and it charges so you could charge your truck without even having to think about it because that's something especially as the ev owner as myself you forget to charge your car you don't want to get up in the morning have to go to the job site and not have any power in your truck that exactly would be bad. exactly and ram brand ceo mike Koval said this isn't just a reveal for one truck it's a look at the future of the entire brand Everything the Ram brand will deliver from this point forward will be a direct descendant of what you see here today. Because when you're a brand that's born as revolutionary as Ram trucks, you don't just drive into the future, you charge into it. And Stellantis CEO Carlos Tavares also took the stage before and after that Ram Revolution concept reveal. He had a lot to say about the future of the automaker. He laid out some bold tech visions, including this push into the electric pickup market, some new uses for autonomous technology for off-roading Jeeps, and establishing an independent unit that will grow its data-as-a-service business. Here's some of what he said during his keynote speech. We are enabling human connections, maintaining access to clean, safe, and affordable mobility, and working side-by-side with our partners to provide freedom of mobility. We will succeed thanks to our uniqueness because we are more than a traditional car maker. We are becoming a mobility tech company with the size of a powerhouse and the soul of a startup. Jamie, what do you think he was trying to say there? You know, everybody wants to have that energy of a startup and I get it, but uh, that this company has only been around for two years in its current form. It's a little hard to, to, to buy that entirely, but I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll allow that he probably knows the soul of the company better than I do. You know, Stellantis and uh, Ram EV were among many of the topics we talked about today on our Automotive News LinkedIn Live event. I spoke with our tech and innovation team leader, Pete Bigelow, GM reporter, Lindsey Van Hulley, Stellantis reporter, Vince Bond Jr., and Nick Gibbs of Automotive News Europe. Here's a piece of that conversation. Pete, you've been to a lot more of these CESs than I have. How, how is it? Where are we on the scale? Is it back in full force? It's not back in full force, Jamie, but it is back. 
That's uh, good. It is, especially after last year when a lot of people thought they were coming back. And, of course, Omicron hit right at the last minutes. Terrible a lot of, timing. A lot of 11th hour cancellations. So it feels like we're back in the swing of things, maybe 75% of a, of a normal show in terms of overall attendance. You know, last, last year was way down, and the year before it was entirely virtual. So uh, nice to have people back. People seem excited, even though maybe a lot fewer people, maybe from from China and elsewhere around the world than usual. There is a lot fewer people, I think, from Asia in particular, but we do have a, a big international presence. Uh, the French, uh, the Dutch, the Israeli, uh, you know, Ecomotion conferences here. There's, so there are a lot of the the countrywide conferences that are touring together, essentially, that, that are here and and in full force themselves. Well, we're going to get into more details on some of the vehicles, but it really is a European heavy show. I mean, with Peugeot, with Stellantis and BMW, VW, it's, um, it's a, lot, a lot of Europe here. No doubt. I think it is a big European auto show in a, in a lot of ways. And uh, it's also a big vehicle show. I think, you know, in years past, we've had, you know, a signature reveal and this year it feels very robust in terms of there's multiple vehicles being shown here. And, and after some of the auto shows we saw this fall, no <laughs> no names mentioned, uh, this certainly feels like it is the premier auto show, even as, as it's 20% of the overall CES. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a big show in total. So uh, let's get into some of those vehicles. Uh, Lindsay, uh, you know, you're newly on the GM beat, but GM doesn't have that big of a presence here this year as, as certainly compared to years past. But you covered, among other things, the Sony Afila concept reveal. Uh, Sony's had concept cars here before, uh, but this was the first since it's partnered with Honda. What is this partnership trying to achieve with this concept? Yeah, they, they revealed this on Wednesday as part of a press conference uh, here in Las Vegas. And essentially how they've really described this concept, uh, Fila, is really, you know, intelligent mobility and interactivity. You know, they, they described it as you know, an interactive relationship, right? Where people can feel that intelligent mobility and where the mobility can use sensors and other kinds of AI technologies to also detect people around it, you know? So to that end, you know, they they highlighted what they're calling a media bar on the front of the vehicle. And, you know, the idea is that they'll use light to be able to communicate with people, you know, in its surroundings around the vehicle. So, you know, there aren't a lot of details about it yet, but they're really trying to show how that mobility approach can be, you know, both intelligent and also really interactive with the community around it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's I, I'm sorry, as an old newsman, uh, when I hear media bar, I have a totally different idea in mind. So but uh, tell me, what were there any other features that really stood out uh, for you in terms of like capabilities that it had or things it promises for, for users? You know, they haven't shared a lot of details yet. You know, they they talked about how, you know, the interior is going to be very comfortable, very minimalist, you know, kind of intentionally designed that way. They've talked about wanting to include both um, driver assistance features, but also work on, you know, level three capabilities. Um, one thing they did note is that the prototype that they released and debuted here in Las Vegas has 45 cameras and sensors um, on both the, the exterior and the interior of the vehicle. So there's certainly going to be an element of that advanced technology and, and some of that, um, those steps toward, you know, automated capabilities as well. So there'll be more, I'm sure, that will come about this, but, you know, not a lot of detail specifically so far. Yeah, it's, uh, as I chuckle, you mentioned the minimalist design, and of course, you know, beauty is uh, in the eye of the beholder. I mean, to me, it was not an attractive vehicle, um, especially from the from the front, uh, looked very plain and 
honestly, honestly kind of old looking like a 92 legend or an iPhone three. Um, I thought it looked a lot better from the side though. Uh, at least to my eyes, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty cool from the side, but man, that, that front look was the lane. Well, if, if I could step in here, apparently, uh, according to uh, the CEO of the company, the, the look is supposed to be like a smartphone. So it's a smartphone on wheels. And, uh, you know, you said it looked like an iPhone 3. And, uh, and I guess you've got to give it a bit more slippery if you're uh, trying to cut through the air as an EV. But, uh, yeah, the, I, I mean, the, the Afila was, uh, was a very interesting car. Uh, so at the heart of the Afila is a chip by Qualcomm. Qualcomm. They seem to be powering most of the software-defined uh, dreams of the car companies here. So Stellantis, BMW, they're, uh, Volvo, the Volvo EX90 was here. Um, they, it's incredible. They've got, they reckon they've got $30 billion of orders uh, for their chipsets, uh, which uh, power both the infotainment system and also um, ADAS uh, or, and, and semi-autonomous driving into the future. Um, 30 billion is incredible. They reckon they're going to do 9 billion a year by uh, 2030, which puts them, I, I did the calculations, it was like 28th on the list of the, of the biggest global suppliers. I mean, they're nowhere at the moment. So, uh, you know, and that they'll be up, put some up near somewhere like Scheffler. I mean, that's <laughs> incredible uh, what they're doing. And uh, I mean, they obviously have a massive presence here, but it's just mm -hmm. amazing. They seem to be, you know, a lot of manufacturers seem to be leaning on them to basically transform themselves into smartphones on wheels. And Sony Honda Mobility highlighted its partnership with Qualcomm also. You know, I think it will be interesting to see, you know, they, they announced it as a prototype, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see how much of, you know, the, the concept makes it into an actual production vehicle. You know, it's funny mentioning Qualcomm. I remember about three years ago talking to some of their senior executives and uh, at the time, some of their top competitors were revealing lots, announcing a lot, and Qualcomm was always kind of there in the background. And I, and I asked them, like, why are we not hearing so much from you? And and their, their quote that stuck with me was, there's a lot of people dressed in their tuxedos that are early for the party uh, <laughs> and that, well, that their time was coming. And, and I, I think that's very apparent, you know, not just this year, but perhaps last year, too. But it, clearly Qualcomm has emerged as perhaps the major player in the software defined vehicle. Absolutely. I, I mean, what, what, one of the companies that I didn't mention there was Carryad, who the VW software division, which are here for the first time. And um, and they gave a little uh, chat about how they were leaning on Qualcomm as well. Um, and essentially, they're replacing Mobileye. So, you know, NVIDIA and uh, Mobileye, two obviously big players that are also here, are sort of getting shoved to the corner a little bit by, uh, by Qualcomm. So um, we're going to get to uh, Vince and that uh, that uh, Ram Revolution uh, pickup, but we already are getting uh, good questions from the audience, and I want this one is so relevant. I, I want to get right to it right now, which is uh, somebody was asking, you know, are any of the large chip OEMs, chip manufacturers, they suggest NXP, TI, ARM, talking about dealing directly with the automakers versus working through tier one and, and tier two suppliers. I have some thoughts on that, but first let's start. I don't know if uh, Nick or uh, uh, Pete want to weigh in on it. On Qualcomm, I mean, they, they're not a chip maker themselves. I mean, the the, the reader mentions ARM there. You know, there's there's got the sort of they're at the heart of uh, of what the chip makers do. But uh, it, 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 Qualcomm is fabulous, which means they go out and um, and source chips from elsewhere. But they design them, and uh, they've, they're obviously in uh, billions of smartphones already. So, so and yes, the car companies want to go want to go via the, the, uh, through the tier ones to the tier two, which is essentially what Qualcomm. 
Stockholm is and and talk to them directly to uh, ensure that they've got the right kit to uh, to do all this stuff that they want to do to create these software defined cars that they think will bring all this revenue stream and and make them as uh, I, I don't know as um, profitable as Apple in the future we can dream as as if we can dream yeah um, you know what struck me about this question was uh, I was just talking with Danny Shapiro uh, from Nvidia this week he's the vice president of automotive for them and and he was you know really kind of insistent you know he's like we're not just a tier two supplier selling chips uh to you know to a tier one he's that they really work with the automaker uh to make sure that that they're that they're providing the software on chip systems that the that they want even if they deliver them through a tier one supplier yeah i think that's the thought that i was having too jamie was the fact that i don't call them a tier two supplier because they really <laughs> don't like that um but i think to, to the to the question's point there is a bit of work. Yes, they do often work through tier ones, uh, but I think these systems are designed at a very holistic level. It's not just supplying a chip and, and forgetting about where, you know, where it's going. I think that there's a lot of direct work with the automakers as well to ensure that that they're getting exactly what they need to, to run their systems and sometimes more because a lot of the features that the, these chips support uh, can be updated in the future and they, they need more processing power to, to make them work when we have new features in a few years and over-the-air updates. Coming up, we'll hear more of our LinkedIn Live conversation from CES. That's next on Daily Drive. Dealers especially have, you know, over the course of the last two years, have proven even more essential. Of course, they were right. deemed essential by the government, even more essential from a consumer standpoint. You know, nothing stands still when you're in the car business. And if you're a dealer, like Jason Stein just told us, you should feel good about the future. You know, that's so true, Mark. And, and there's so much noise out there. So if you're an owner or general manager, you're in sales or in service, how are you supposed to help your business thrive? Well, look no further. I'm Mark Spoto. And I'm Elliot Shore. And we host the Walk Around Podcast, powered by JM and A Group. We talk to leaders who are influencing the automotive landscape today, and we promise you will learn something new with every episode. That's a sure thing. I see what you did there. You like that? Well, we'll talk about it. Okay. Well, anyway, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or whatever platform you're listening to. Just search the Walk Around Podcast. People care about their car buying experience, and so do we. Provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Goobagoo is the leader in conversational commerce for the automotive industry. Our fully managed live messaging services instantly connect consumers to dealers anytime and anywhere through live chat, text, video, and more. Integrated with our fully managed chat, Goobagoo's virtual retailing platform enables consumers to buy cars online directly from the dealership's website through multiple channels. We are constantly improving the retailing experience and currently have over 100 integrations with CRMs, DMSs, and third-party applications. Goobagoo transforms the traditional car buying process into a modern, transparent, and seamless experience. Available 24-7, 365, our highly trained chat specialists are there to help. See it for yourself at goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. 
We're listening to my conversation from earlier today with Automotive News Tech and Innovation Team Lead Pete Bigelow, GM reporter Lindsey Van Hulling, Stellantis reporter Vince Bond Jr., and Nick Gibbs of Automotive News Europe. Here's some more of that conversation. Vince, uh, you were covering the, uh, the Ram EV uh, yesterday, and boy, it has, some, it has some pretty cool features, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so Ram is really trying to raise the game in the, in the EV uh, pickup space. Um, they're trying to really set the bar when it comes to technology, style, uh, towing capability. Everything that a pickup is made up of, they want to be at the top of it. And so they have this interesting thing called uh, shadow mode where the truck will actually follow you as you're out doing work and you're not in the car. And so it would actually stay with you. And so Ram is really just uh, trying to innovate here and, uh, you know, show what they can do in the future. Vince, did they explain like how that works? Is it do you have the do you take the, have the key fob in your pocket so that it kind of knows where you are? Uh, yeah, they didn't really explain that. I mean, they just said it uses uh, sensors and you know, cameras to, you know, be aware of the environment. But uh, I'm assuming you'll have some sort of key fob or something with you. Um, Mike Koval was mentioning to me that you, um, there's the 3D printed, you know, mirror frame and it has a microphone in it. And when you, you get out of the truck and you say Ram follow or something like that, and then you really? walk and it'll follow behind you. I, I would think it still have to know, maybe it just uses cameras to know where you are. I'd, I'd want it to have something digital <laughs> to tell it where I am, but um, I look forward to seeing, you know, if that actually works in the real world, that's pretty slick. Yeah, yeah, but Ram has really been uh, just over the last, you know, year or two going out into the public, you know, designers, engineers, just talking to folks about what they want from an EV pickup. And uh, and Ralph Gilles was telling me that, uh, that consumers are just telling them, like, don't ruin my pickup. Make it a pickup truck. I mean, it's, it's an EV, but still make it a pickup. Make it comfortable. And that's what they're trying to do here. And they did a lot to make it comfortable. They created more space in the in the cab and added some other cool features. A third row of seats and access to the front. Pretty amazing. I mean, they have a personal assistant in there. Uh, they have sustainable materials uh, in the floor to make it... Uh, tougher and sustainable at the same time so it's just it's a huge list i can go on all day if you want me to vince did you have thoughts on how it compared to the f-150 lightning the the gm uh, the chevy silverado because obviously the ev pickup wars are are just beginning and you know i'm curious how it compared and benchmarked in towing for one example uh yeah so it's still conceptual so they haven't released any actual figures on the towing yet um, but they're saying that in a few months, they're going to show the actual production version of the 1500 EV. And so hopefully we'll get some more uh, details there. But uh, it's hard to compare the, the lofty concept to the production models out there right now from Ford and Gino. And it seemed like they, they weren't really giving numbers as much as they were promising that they would have best in class and, and those things. So you know, more more to come on that. Details to come. But the again back to one of the one more feature i do want to highlight was that uh that pass through because they said you can then uh be, you know a frunk it has a trunk in the front you know a big open space uh, bigger than most they claimed and um but there's also a pass through like you sometimes see in the back seat that lets you get to the trunk it actually goes you know from the driver's or the passenger side and they said you can put like 18 foot long you know planks of wood in there complete with the tailgate up that it would go from the from the truck bed all the way through the front 
and and it, uh, the guy a uh, guy I was talking to last night he said just recently he bought some 16 foot planks and tried to drive them home in his minivan and they were like you know hanging out the window and over his shoulder and just really kind of a little bit dangerous right and so that's that's a really truly useful feature for you know truck people and how they use trucks oh yeah and that's really just a byproduct man i mean slant is really is really going out there and trying to figure out what people want and then they're trying to build on that and, and innovate and so things like you just mentioned with the front and you know that extension i mean that that's uh what we're trying to do well, and we wrote, you know, early this year about, you know, just the the the, the growth in this in this EV pickup market. You know, it's it's still very early innings. You know, Ford was first with the Lightning, and Chevy's going to come out with the Silverado, and you know, the Ram's going to be going to be a little bit later. But you know, the folks I talked to had basically said, you know, it's still wide open, and just because Ram is coming later than the others doesn't mean it's a foregone conclusion. You know, that that the first to market is going to be the the clear winner. You know, one of the things that people told me was by taking their time, you know, Ram can sort of benchmark the competition and see what others are doing and find a way to differentiate themselves so that their product is going to be different than everything else that's out there. Uh, yeah, Lindsay, that, that was exactly what my COVID was saying that, uh, you know, they've had time to sit back and really figure out, okay, what is Ford doing? What is GM doing? And now they can really try to top that when their vehicle comes out. And so we'll see what they, what they come up with. And there's different approaches so far too, you know, trying to, whether it's, you know, converting a, a gas, um, a gas version or, or a completely, a completely new platform, you know? So I think how these all um, are received and how they all come to market and, and how they iterate on them, I think is going to be really interesting over the next few years to really watch. Uh, yeah. And this Ram EV uh, concept is on a whole yep. new platform for Solantis called Stellar Frame. And so it really uh, allow designers to play with the proportions of the truck and do something different than what's out right now with the, the gasoline trucks. Pete Bigelow is our tech and innovation team lead at Automotive News. Lindsey Van Holy is our GM reporter. Vince Bond Jr. is our Stellantis reporter. And Nick Gibbs covers autos in the UK for Automotive News Europe. They joined me today during our live conversation from CES. You can see the full show on demand on the Automotive News LinkedIn page. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on innovation in tech, updates from CES, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday when we return to the regular format. We'll have the day's headlines and a conversation about how auto lenders and F&I offices use data to uncover insights for loan affordability. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.